Hey everyone, welcome to the Slice of Wine podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Dr. Jeff Dater, the co-founder and CEO at Inventory. How are you today? Very good, and then thanks very much for having me on. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to have you on. Um, heard about your company, I think it was about six, maybe six to eight months ago. And then uh, just, uh, I know I, I connected with someone from your team a while back, and then we were still growing this. So wanted to circle back and now we have you on and I'm excited to, to chat some more. Why, uh, why don't we dive right in? Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm probably not the typical person you would expect to have done this. I, um, I'm a physician by profession, spent my whole career practicing medicine. In fact, one of the big areas I practiced in was addiction medicine. So you have to sort of think addiction and wine and why did I turn my head to this? But over the course of my career, I began collecting wine just out of a passion, just out of a hobby. And, and like all wine collectors, you start with a few wines, you get a wine fridge, and then you get a cellar and you think, well, now I got to buy more wine to fill this cellar. And you become a hobbyist around wine collecting. But I retired uh, after I, I built out about 90 different medical clinics. So I've had sort of a bit of an entrepreneurial bent towards medicine and uh, had built out 90 medical clinics, sold it to private equity. Thought this was my opportunity to retire, drink wine, and maybe write screenplays. I like writing a lot, so I thought I was just going to sit down and do this. And and then this app was born more or less because I walked into my wine cellar and could not find a single bottle of wine. I thought I was collecting reasonably intelligently, but uh, but I couldn't actually find the bottle I was looking for. I had old bottles that I should have consumed long ago, new bottles I forgot I, I even bought. So it was, it was a, a, just a, a kibosh of an experience at the very beginning. The, the best uh, solutions come out of what you, what you need first, and then you find out that other people have this problem, right? So um, you definitely have a, a very interesting pathway to this space. Um, and, and, but I, I think it's good for, for other people, too, in the, in the medical field to hear this, right? Because... You, you built something that had to do with, you know, your, your outside of your medical career passion. Um, and that's good for other people to hear, to know that they can go into, you know, what other areas that they want it doesn't have to be their core focus. And I'm assuming because you loved, you know, wine in this space so much that uh, that's where the learning opportunities and how quickly you learn, it goes way faster that way, right? When you're so passionate about the, the topic at hand. Well, absolutely. In fact, I, you know, I, the, the learning curve in medicine is is, is large and, and steep. Um, after a while, you realize you're still learning. But when I turned to the world of wine, I realized, my goodness, there is so much to know about wine. And at one point, I even thought to myself and challenged some of my colleagues that there's probably more information around wine than medicine. And, and that's because medicine became somewhat commonplace to me, but wine was brand new. But equally as daunting, there is just more you don't know than you do know. And so that was that was also a very strong uh, push for me to to move in. If you're always thinking, you always want to keep your mind active. It's, it was a great hobby to to surround myself with. Now, give us give us more of a, I guess an overview of inventory. Um, you know, today, what what um, what are you really seeing from the platform? You definitely have. Uh, you've been around now for a couple of years, right? You've had so many bottles of wine be added uh, via your platform. Um, you know, what, what still excites you a couple of years in about what you're building? 
Yeah, I, I, I think the, the question is interesting because when I first started doing this, you know, I really had no intent of, of making a business. This was to solve a problem. I walked into my cellar, couldn't find my wines. I turned to my son at the time, who, I, who was an engineer, a software engineer through a university, had graduated in software engineering, was now doing a master's in artificial intelligence and then a master's in entrepreneurship. And I said, uh, Josh, listen, I paid for all your education, buddy. You got to help me find my wine in my cellar. And we looked at a number of different apps, all of which seemed so archaic. So, and I thought, if that's the state of the art, something's wrong. He developed an app within a very short period of time. It was only for my use. It wasn't for anybody. I had no intent of moving it forward. My friends who are wine collectors said, could they have a free copy of it? They liked what we had built. I gave them a free copy. They pushed me to put it on the app store. I did. And within four months, we had 20,000 downloads. And I thought, what the heck is going on? 20,000 downloads? We didn't even market it. We didn't even try. I pulled it off the app store. I picked 90 people in that group of 20,000. And I said, if you could build the best wine app in the world, what would you build? And I spent a year hiring 11 developers, two designers, 18 Somalis, and we built out inventory. We released it as a free version, something we call Aspire. And it was a way to catalog your wines, to simply track your wines in a better, more modern way with better user experiences and better design. By that time, I had already put in three and a half million dollars into this product. And I didn't really realize I, I was going down this path and I had a bit of um, founder's delusion. I thought, am I building something that nobody else, do people think I'm crazy? I thought I'd better try and monetize it. So I, I put a little, uh, I added a tier called Prestige where we patented a technique called VinLocate. It's a 3D representation of your wine cellar, your wine wall, your wine fridge. That's interactive. You actually use a, sort of a virtual reconstruction of your cellar, and it's really, really cool stuff. And we ended up selling that and getting up to 100,000 more people on the app. But then a very interesting thing happened to me, which caused me to pivot. Uh, because I put so much money into this, I thought, hmm, is, am I really going to be able to recover here? Am I going to be able to make any money off this? Is this just a, a passion project where I'm just going to sink a ton of, of dollars into it? Seller companies started coming to us and said, we love what you're doing. People, we're building sellers for $50,000, $100,000. We want to partner with you. And if you could provide us a seller that is in true 3D, a whole seller in 3D that rotates and has, is smart, sits on an iPad beside the seller door and allows people to add bottles, or remove bottles, but also say, show me all my burgundies, show me all my Bordeaux, show me all my gifted bottles, or all my reds, all my whites, all my bottles under $400. With one single button, we would they would actually buy the, the Opus product for, from us, brand it under their seller name, and we would be able to, to move forward with that. So that's been our North Star. We've been working with a lot of seller companies and wine managers and sommeliers who interact with wine collectors. It was impossible for me to meet with every wine collector out there. And we've just been delivering this product and it's been uh, just wonderful since. Wow, it's uh, it's funny how great journey for, for, for you and the team. Um, and, and I'm glad you were, you were able to, I, you were, you were going to do it regardless is, is what it sounds like, but I'm glad you were able to monetize um, after, after you, you know, you spent a lot of time and investment into the company. Can you, can you talk us, I, I you kind of mentioned it, I would say maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the early challenges were just figuring out how to monetize this, right? Now you have this really good, uh, basically, um, supply chain that you can kind of tap into so that they're actively 
helping you monetize this, but what, what other early challenges did you face as you were building out this, this venture? Yeah. The, the, the challenge really is when you're trying to put a product like this forward is to reach the, the right audience, uh, you know, in a SaaS model, in a B to C SaaS model, it's what I call slog fest. You know, you just got to have the resources, the ability to keep pushing. You either got to have a very, uh, uh, lucky experience, but for most people who are out there in, in, in the world of app development, it's very, very difficult. We were lucky enough to have some celebrities uh, contact us very early. We had uh, JJ Reddick and Josh Hart from the NBA, both who contact, said they were on the app. We had other celebrities from professional hockey and professional football contact us. And that was the first time I sat back and said, wait a second, we are attracting some quality customers, some people with big wine walls or wine collections and, and, and a lot of wine experience. And so we, we began to leverage some of that uh, contact information and, and, and move forward. But I think really pushing, living and breathing what you're doing every single day, not giving up. I always say in business, it's full of, it's a sinusoidal wave. It's ups and downs. And most people jump off the ship when it's, when it's in its low point. And you just have to realize that for every low, there will be a high. You just have to keep pushing and grinding and, and working yourself up that mountain. Yeah, it's it's a series uh, a series of small wins that add up to the big wins, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, not not getting down. There's more downs than ups in Great business. Work. So um, I, I don't think I, I think people that haven't started ventures don't realize that part of it, right? Everyone sees the overnight success, but they don't see you, you know, near tears, uh, some days, uh, just mm. in pure frustration. Mm. Um, so I'm, you know, again, kudos to you and what you've built here. Um, I, I do want to ask you since the company has been around now for a little over five years, right? What, what have you seen in terms of like wine collecting? How has the space evolved? Uh, or obviously you played a big role in that, right? With what you've built, but I'm um, just curious. Yeah, I mean, the space does evolve. I think wine collecting evolves as it is, period. Everyone can imagine what the first wine they had, what they started with. You know, it could be a white, it could be a simple Prosecco or something of that nature. And then people evolve, their taste evolves. They move into like a maybe a Napa red. And they go, wow, this big fruit bomb. I love this. This is fantastic. And then they'll discover old world wines, the Bordeaux, the Burgundies, the Italian wines, the wines from Argentina, the wines from, and you can move on to every continent of this world, you know, Australia and South Africa and New Zealand, everyone makes fantastic wines. So what I've seen is over time, people move their palates forward in their journey of, of experiencing wine. And whether it be from red to white, white to red, bubbles to 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 anything else to port wine it doesn't really matter i just like the 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 knowledge that people are experiencing wine that they're enjoying wine that they're that they're uh, spending their money on something that they truly can get value from and i'm going to ask you now probably the toughest question of the day right what's what's your you, what's your favorite right now what's what's a favorite um you don't have to give me exact like you can even go as basic as your favorite type of wine right now, right? And I know things can change over time, but if you have the exact bottle year, yeah. even better. The exact bottle in years is, you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm very much into Brunellos and Barolos, this, these Italian grapes. Um, the best bottle of someone's life, though, is, is really couched in, and again, the experience they've had with it. 
we've all had the experience of buying a bottle of wine at a vineyard and going, this is the best bottle I've ever tasted. And then you buy six of them, you take them home and you drink it at home and you go like, did I buy the wrong lot? Did I wrong? You know, you have a wonderful wine at a table with someone you care about around a celebration and that wine can be fantastic. And it might only be $17, you know? So I think it's in the, the eye of the beholder and it's so much couched in your experience. But right now I do like... The, the Italian sort of more earthy tones, the, the kind of uh, uh, long finish wines that, that have a lot of character and body to them. Um, there are many examples of those. I don't want to necessarily go through all of them, but that, that's my favorites right now. Well, I want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast today, sharing your story, uh, telling us where you're at today. And uh, I really appreciated the conversation. I had a ton of fun and hopefully we can bring you back on again in the near future. Give us an update and, and talk some more. Perfect. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.